I can't hardly preach on winning through weakness without doing some level of uh, story of making a comeback. And so, so today, tonight, I, wanna, I really just want to talk to you about uh, what it takes to make a comeback. Let me just see the hands of those in the room. Have any of you ever just needed a comeback in life? You had a, you had a wipeout, you had a tragedy, you had a disappointment, and you needed. I love comeback stories, and, and, and I kept trying to avoid it because it just felt so cliche to put it in here with the Winning Through Weakness series, but I just, the more I put it off, the more I felt a stirring that somebody, maybe even especially right now, needs a comeback. And so I love comeback stories. I, I love athlete comeback stories like uh, Jim Morrison, the great baseball pitcher, or James Braddock, the boxer, or uh, I mean, just really any kind of comeback stories. One of the things I love about pastoring is there's comeback stories sitting all over the church every weekend. Now, some of them are a little more obvious than others, uh, but just recently, Tony, I got to interview you, Tony Cienfuego. Did I say it right? There is a comeback story right there, huh? How many would agree? I mean, here's Tony in gangs, coming out of prison, but here's Tony in love with Jesus and the grace of God on his life. Come on, how many know that's a comeback story, everybody? Oh, that's to my right. And to my left, there's another comeback story. Valerie, and Ernesto's not here tonight, but another couple that God has brought out of gangs and tragedy. And come on, I like this picture a little bit better. That's a comeback story, everybody. And, and some of them don't necessarily look as obvious, but how many know that our hearts, when we invite Jesus in, there's some comeback stories there, right? I think of Dale and Chelsea. I think of so many people in our church that have incredible comeback stories. I love sports comeback stories. And you can't hardly talk about a comeback story without talking about the 1993 Buffalo Bills. Anybody remember that comeback story? I mean, they were losing. January the 3rd, 1993, they were losing by 32 points at halftime. How many know it's just time to give it up? But they didn't give it up. In fact, Frank Wright, who was the backup quarterback, who happened to be a born-again Christian, he went out one play at a time while he was singing Christ Alone. Christ alone is my glory. And he sang. And they made one of the greatest comebacks, still to this day, the greatest comeback that's ever happened in the NFL. I'm telling you, they ended up winning 41 to 38. How many know that's a great comeback, everybody, right? One of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is filled with comeback stories. I mean, almost every story, every hero, we talked about this last week, that they, they, somewhere in their life there was a wipeout, there was a failure, there was a tragedy, and it's filled with comeback stories. So those of you that are watching and those of you that are in the house, I want you to know no matter how bad, how, how devastating the wipeout is, come on, God will enable you to make a comeback. I, I think of the great characters in the scripture. And, and I mean, we could just go one after another. What about King David? King David who killed Goliath. Come on, he's on the top of his gang. Uh, game. He becomes the king of Israel. And then, of course, he has a wipeout, right? Commits adultery, commits murder. But he has a comeback. And scriptures later calls him a man after God's own heart. 
Or what about Elijah? Elijah, the prophet of power. I mean, this guy has a showdown on Mount Carmel, challenges 450 false prophets, calls fire down. He's on the top of his game. And then just a few days later, he's filled with fear. He's suicidal. He's depressed. He's asking for God to take his life. But he makes a comeback when he finds a, 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 somebody to mentor named Elisha. And he pours into Elisha. And Elisha goes and works twice as many miracles that Elijah ever did. Or what about Paul? I mean, the list goes on and on. Paul was the man who killed many Christians. He stood there and held Stephen's coat as Stephen was stoned to death. But yet he made a comeback and became, and became the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. He made an incredible comeback. As anybody ever felt like Peter? Come on, Peter denied Jesus, but he made a comeback and became the father of the New Testament church. I love when Jesus comes out of the grave. He says, go get my disciples and Peter. I love that because he knew that Peter had felt like he had wiped out and he was washed up and his best days were behind him. But little did Peter know, God had a comeback in store for him and his best days were still in front of him. And I don't know where you're at and I don't know if you feel like your best days are behind you, but I have good news for everybody. In Christ, your best days can still be ahead of you. Would you agree with me on that, everybody? And the story goes on and on. They're all over Scripture. There's Jonah, the only book of the Bible where the hero starts off as a rebel. I mean, he doesn't want to do it God's way. Come on. How many would rather not go through the belly of a whale for a comeback, though, right? You know what I'm saying? One of my favorite comebacks is the prodigal son. He takes his father's inheritance, and he goes off, and he lives wild, and he loses his inheritance. And we find him living in the pig pen, feeding the pigs. And he makes the decision that I'm going to go back. I'm going to make a comeback. And, 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 and I can just picture it because the Bible says that his father saw him a long way off. Ooh, I love that story. I, 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 it just makes me think that his father must have been sitting on the front porch waiting for him the whole time, looking out the window the whole time. You might have made a, a you, you might have wiped out, but I want you to know God is looking over heaven and he's watching for you. He's looking for you. And, and the Bible says that the father seen him a long ways off. Woo, aren't you glad you didn't have to find Jesus, but Jesus found you? And he found you while you were still a long ways off, while you were still a mess. Come on now. You haven't always looked this good. Let me show you Tony's picture again. No, no, no. And something, I was reading this, and the, father, the Bible says that the father went running to his son. And I never really picked up on that before. And I thought, well, why did the father run to the son? Well, obviously he loved him. And th there's a number of reasons. But one thing I never thought of before is that the son, come on, you want to talk about winning through weakness? The son was weak. He had been eating the pig's food. He had lost everything. And the father comes running to him in his weak state. And I would say that we're going to need our father to journey with us if we're ever going to make a comeback. Webster's definition for comeback, it says to regain a former favorable condition or position. Now that might not mean a lot, but let me just go back. Yea, before the foundations of the world, God created you and I. 
He put a born on date on every one of us. And when he created us, again, before the foundations of the world, the Bible says, and he put a seed of greatness inside of every one of us. And then we're born into this fallen, wicked world. And things happen to us. Some of the things that happen to us, come on, are your fault. How I many you know they are? But some of the things that happen to us are not our fault. And we experience the miseries of sin. We, we experience the, the wickedness of this world. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we begin the comeback process to be regained or to be restored to a favorable place, to a favorable condition, to a favorable position. Come on, everybody. The favorable position means that you're the head and you're not the tail, that you're the conqueror and not the conquered. A favorable position position. And it doesn't matter what your wipeout has been. It doesn't matter what your mess up has been. God is ready and, and ready to assist you and ready to run to you. Come on, to help you make a comeback. Come on, we live in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm sure you've been in the mountains, right? You've been in the mountains, let me see your hand. You've been on a hike. One of the things that blew me away when I first moved here, I love hiking and I love going up in the mountains. And, and, and one of the things that blew me away is I've been out hiking and all of us have seen this where a logging company has come in and cut down some of the big old growth. And you see the big giant tree trunks that are left. One of the things that blew my mind that I'd see is these big giant tree trunks and this brand new tree growing right up over the top of something old and something dead. How many of you have ever seen that out in the mountains? Oh, come on. You want to talk about the epitome of a comeback? Here is the epitome of a comeback. A stump that has been cut down and left for dead. But come on, new life sprung up out of that thing. And some of you feel like you've been cut down, cut down by the knees, left for dead. Your dreams are dead. Your hopes are dead. Your marriage is dead. Your, your, your career is dead. You feel like the old stump that's been cut down by the enemy and left out there. But I'm telling you, today is the day that new growth is going to happen, and we're going to see some comebacks in the family of God. Come on, everybody. I want to declare it. I want to make sure you hear this above the clapping. Somebody listening to this message this weekend is getting ready to make one of the greatest comebacks. You feel like there is no hope. You're the dead stump in the middle of the forest that's been forgotten, that the enemy has chopped down. And you feel like you have been forgotten. But it's just a few more days, and the roots are going to take root and begin to grow again. And you'll be the next picture up here like Tony and like Ernesto and like Valerie. That's what God is ready to do in your life. Aren't you glad you're not still the stump cut down in the forest? Come on, everybody. Aren't you glad you're saved, everybody? Buddy, right? Woo. It reminds me of this story. Talk about another great comeback. Anybody ever read the book of Job? There's a comeback for you. I love around about the last chapter and somewhere around verse number 42. He said, prior to all this, my ears had heard of the glory of God, but now my eyes have seen the glory of God. And I love what he writes, Job writes in, in chapter number 14. Watch this. He says, at least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that means every person here that has ever felt cut down, ever felt abandoned, 
ever felt left, just a stump in the forest. Job, how many know Job have some credentials, right? Job says, at least there is hope. Say it with me, there is hope. There is hope. Come on, say it with some conviction. There is hope. There is hope if it is cut down. It doesn't say there is hope if it's fertilized right. It doesn't say there is hope if you do all the right things. It says there is hope for those that have wiped out. There is hope for those that have been cut down. There is hope for those that have been chopped down by the knees. There is hope for those that are behind 31 to nothing at halftime. There is, there is hope. Watch this. It will sprout again. And its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump die in the sto- soil. Yet at the scent of water. Ooh, I want you to hold that thought. At the scent of water. I know what you're thinking. I didn't know trees had noses. I know that's what you're thinking. But at the scent of water. Did you know that one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is water? We'll have springs of living water flowing out of us at the scent. Those of you that need to come back, my prayer is that you will sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you, encouraging you at the scent of water, the dead thing. The sensing of the Holy Spirit will take the dead things, come on, and make them live again. Right At the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Ooh, in other words, at the sensing of the Holy Spirit, come on, we can become fruitful again, even if we've been cut down. Oh, I like that. Woo. Let me take you to a story, because there were so many characters to choose from when I started thinking about, man, who do I preach about when I talk about making a comeback? I mean, I just gave you a whole list of people. So I, I wanted to take somebody that I hadn't really preached on any time in the last couple of years. And so I want to take you to a guy. Anybody heard of a guy by the name of Samson? You want to talk about a comeback story. Now, it might not end with him hoisting the trophy, but here's a comeback story. And I think there's a couple principles that we can dig out of here. So if you've never heard of Samson, let me set it up. Samson was set aside. And in fact, his parents were told not to cut his hair or shave his head, that his outward hair was a symbol of his inward strength. And uh, I know we see all these pictures of Samson in the Bible story books, but I'm not sure that Samson looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think his strength came from the inside. I think on the outside, he might have looked weak. Come on. But on the inside, he was strong. And he was able to win through his weakness. But Samson had this problem. He was always going into neighborhoods he shouldn't be going into. How many know what I'm saying, right? He was always dating women that he should not be dating. And I'm putting it very nicely. I'm putting it in rated PG form. And so until one day he met a woman by the name of Delilah, and I'll pick up in the middle of the story in verse number 19. Here's what it says. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. I've, always, I've never done this. I've always wanted to preach a message on the seven braids. I mean, come on, Samson had some dreadlocks. Seven big old dreadlocks coming down, and they were the symbol of his strength. And I thought, I wonder how many times we've been caught in the lap of the enemy, 
relaxing while the enemy, unbeknownst to us, is stealing our strength. And our strength is the seven dreadlocks, the the seven locks, the the things like when we lose our prayer life and when we lose our praise life and when we and, and when we stop forgiving. Come on, somebody. We when we when when those things start getting cut out of the theology of the church, the church begins to lose our strength. Nah, I'll leave that for another day. I just wanted to whet your appetite a little bit. You, you guys don't know this. I try little things out on you. If you don't nod at me, it never makes it to a Sunday morning, all right? And then, and then um, let's see, where was I? his hair? And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know, watch this, that the Lord had left him. What a sad day when we have become so complacent that we don't even know that we've lost our strength. I, I, I wonder, this is a little side note, I wonder if those few verses could sometimes be a picture at large of Western uh, Americanized Christianity. That we have fallen asleep in the lap of the enemy. Come on now. And that we're slowly losing our strength. And that we'll think we're going to come to church and do just like we've always done. And not even knowing that God has moved on and is moving in new ways. But we're addicted to the old ways. I just thought I'd throw that out there too. All right. Then the Philistines seized him. Watch these red words. Gouged out his eyes, one. Took him down to Gaza, binding him, two. With bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in prison. Three things that I want us to consider. Three things. Um, Now, Samson was anointed. Samson was set aside by God um, to just be strong, to win. I mean, if you've read any of the exploits of Samson, I mean, he was a pretty bad dude. Would anybody agree? Uh, I mean, he picks up a donkey jawbone, and he beats up a few thousand Philistines. He ties foxes together and burns down their crops. He, he tears the gates off a city. I mean, Samson has done some stuff. But here, he's allowed his dreadlocks, the seven locks of his hair, to be shaved off, and he loses his strength. And he loses his power. And I got to thinking about him. And I, I thought, Lord, how can this relate to us? And so here's three things out of Samson's life that I want you to consider. Because you, you know that you need to come back when these three things happen. When these three things are active and happening in your life, you might need to come back. See, Samson thought he was still strong. And there might be some listening to me this weekend. You think you still have it all together and you didn't even intend on needing a comeback. But you have drifted and you need a comeback. So number one, you might need a comeback if, number one, the enemy is blinding you. Remember his eyes got gouged out? If the enemy is blinding you, in verse number 21 it says that his eyes were gouged out. In other words, let me put it in our vernacular. Whenever you've lost your vision... You might need a comeback. Whenever you've lost your way, you might need a comeback. 
Whenever the things that God has put in your heart in the light times of life and you're doubting now or you've lost track of them in the dark times of life, you might need to come back. When I, when I lose my target, when I lose my purpose, when I, when I lose my way, I just might need a comeback. Come on, everybody. I've lost my way. I think that's one of the tragedies that this pandemic has done. I see a whole lot of people that have lost their way. They've lost their vision. They've lost their direction. They were moving in the right direction. But now we're scattered and we're looking everywhere. Mm. There, there, there's too much white noise. I can't hear any longer what God is saying. And there's so much coming at me. There's politics and there's pandemics and there's social injustice and there's loud voices and fighting and fear and anxiety. And I just can't hear from God and I've lost my direction. Come on, can anybody relate to me? I've lost the direction. I've lost my purpose. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to lose your vision. Lose your vision for your marriage. Lose your vision for your life. Lose the purpose that God has called you to. And and we've gotten in this mode in the last seven, eight, nine months where we're just trying to survive. And I'm just going to make it through until things get back to normal. But what if things don't get back to normal? Have we lost our vision waiting for some day to arrive? Or in the middle of tragedy, can you keep your vision strong? You know what I find interesting? I find it interesting that when you study the New Testament, the most often worked miracle in the New Testament is the healing of blind eyes. More than any other miracle, Jesus heals blind eyes. And maybe it's because losing vision is easy. Maybe because we get discouraged and lose our way. Maybe a lot of reasons. But, but maybe we lose our vision faster than anything else. If we lose our vision, we lose our progress. If we lose our purpose, we just live randomly. We just, we just wake up and live randomly. We do church randomly. We pray randomly. We just kind of live randomly because we've lost our vision. We, we raise kids randomly because we've lost our vision. We do marriage randomly because we've lost our vision. We spend money randomly because we've lost our vision. Come on, is anybody hearing what I'm saying tonight? And, 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 and the reason, perhaps, maybe the enemy's behind us losing our vision. Maybe he's behind it because I think the enemy is terrified of a you that has strong vision. I think the enemy is terrified of a born-again, blood-bought Christian that is not going to let anything distract them and has 20-20 vision. I know my purpose. I know my direction. I know which way I'm going. The enemy is terrified of a you because he knows if you can see it, then you can seize it. And he's terrified what you might become if you grab a hold of all that God has for you. Come on, everybody, right? If you can see, and, and, and the Bible tells us this in Proverbs chapter number 29, where there is no revelation. Sometimes you've read it, where there is no vision, people perish. But I wanted you to see this terminology. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Have you seen any casting off of restraint recently? Do I need to give any pictures of this? It looks sometimes when I turn on the news, it looks like the world is losing their minds. We've lost our vision, everybody. 
We've cast off restraint. Anything goes. We call good bad and bad good. There's no restraints. There's no guideline. We've lost our vision. We're living recklessly. Reckless. Um, so you might need a comeback if you've lost your vision. Not just your vision of heaven. Your vision for your life. Your purpose for your marriage. Your direction for your children you're raising. Number two is you might need to come back if he is binding you. Binding. I want you to think about that word. It's a word that kind of gives us a picture of losing our freedom. Now, I know that's a buzzword politically right now, and that's not how I mean it. But the enemy can come in and begin to rob us of our freedoms, Rob of, of our movement. I can't move forward anymore. I can't praise God anymore. I can't pray anymore. I, I, I don't love anymore. I don't forgive anymore. I'm just, I'm, just, I, I'm just waiting for this to pass. Let me tell you, if you waste your life waiting for storms to pass, you're going to watch your whole life go by because this world is filled with storms. Right? Bind. The word bind, here's what it means. The word bind means restricted movement. Whoo, come on. He is wanting to bind you. He wants to bind the church. He wants the church to be restricted in our movement. He would rather the church sit back and just say, well, we'll get going again once we get back to normal. What, what about in the middle of the storm, we become the lighthouse, everybody? What about in the middle of life's pandemics? We don't hide and wait the storm out. We're, we're to help be an anchor in the time of storm. And, and, and the word restricted, it, it's restricted movement. It means there's no more progress. I'm not progressing. I'm just getting by. I'm not living on purpose. I'm living by default. I'm not making strides to improve in my faith walk, in my marriage, in my whatever. You can fill in the blank. I'm just, I just feel kind of restricted. I, I, I can't lift my hands to praise. I can't bow my knees to pray. I'm just restricted. And the shackles aren't made out of bronze. Oh, no, the enemy has come in. And the shackles right now, the shackles are made out of fear. The shackles that keep us from moving forward, the shackles are not made out of bronze. They're made out of fear. They're made out of anxiety. They're made out of our failures. They're made out of our unforgiveness. And the enemy, it seems as though, has come in and clipped our wings. And if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, you need to come back in your life. If you've lost your freedom, if you've lost God's grace, if you've lost sight, if you've lost your movement, if you've lost forward progress, if you're just waiting for the day, you might need a comeback. And number three, you might need a comeback if the enemy is grinding you. Woo, come on. I know all of us have had our last nerve ground on a little bit. He's grinding you. The word grinding means to wear down. Has anybody, come on, be honest with me. Has anybody felt worn down in the last few months? Yeah, he's working on us. He, he, he's working, he's trying to grind down your faith. And he's trying to grind down your hope. He's trying to just wear you out. 
One of the ways we get worn out is we try to have an opinion about everything. People asked me the other day uh, during this time, what I thought about, I won't tell you, but, but they asked me what I thought about something, and I said, I don't have an opinion about that. They said, how could you not have an opinion? Because I don't have enough bandwidth to have an opinion about everything in the whole wide world. i got to save a little energy for the most important things. Hello, somebody. See, he wants to wear you down doing the minors so that you fail in the majors. Uh, yeah, I, I can know more about COVID, and, and I can know more about social injustice, and I can know more about politics, and, and I'm not saying we should be ignorant to those things, but I bet you, you show up here, not because I'm a science on COVID, but because the Word of God needs to be delivered. Come on, everybody, right? He wants to wear you down doing the minor things so that you miss the major things. Man, I'm telling you just about the time, come on, well, just watch. Right about the time something settles down, there's something else. It's drum. We got, it's like the world is filled with drama queens right now. And you don't have to be a woman to be a drama queen. Come on, ladies, say a good amen to that one. Huh? I mean, he's what, grinding. You know what the grinding watch? He, 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 in those days, he's grinding at this big cement wheel, and he's grinding. And every step, he's losing energy. Every step of grinding, he's losing power. Every step, he's just grinding, grinding, wearing, wearing us down. Grinding is a splitting process. Grinding is a making smaller, making something smaller making our hope smaller, our faith smaller. He's grinding you. Just every news show is grinding us, grinding us down, grinding. Watch this. He's grinding grain to feed the enemy. Let me say it another way. You need to come back when what you should be fighting, you are now feeding. Come on, I don't think you guys heard me. You're going to need a comeback. When you realize the thing in life you should be fighting, you're now feeding. See, Samson should have been fighting those Philistines, but he's, he's blinded, he's binded, and he's grinding, and he's feeding the very people that he should be fighting. I should be fighting my anger, but I'm feeding my anger by what I watch and what I listen to. I should be fighting my lust, Ah, click, but I'm feeding my lust. Come on, everybody. You need to come back when the thing you should be fighting is the thing that you're now feeding inside of yourself. Oh, man. But I love verse number 22. Verse number 22 is the hinge point. Verse number 22 is the comeback, everybody. Verse number 22, it it, it turns a story that should end in tragedy and it turns it into triumph. It turns a setback into a comeback. You ready for verse number 22? Verse number 22 is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Come on, watch this. Verse number 22. But, and you'll see why this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Come on, everybody. But the hair on his head began to grow again. Can I get an amen? I just want you to know, Tony, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have your hair. And I'm going to look just like Samson. I'm going to have dreadlocks. You ain't even going to recognize me up there. Come on, brother, all right? 
But, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, my mind thinks of some funny things in this. I, I, think, it's a, I think they should have had a barber in the jailhouse. But, did you notice the but? I looked up the word but. But, according to Webster, is an, it's an intensifier to introduce an, exclam, an exclamatory opposite. Did you get that? The word but is an intensifier to introduce an exclamatory opposite. In other words, the word but turns everything around and puts an exclamation mark on it. But his hair grew back. But they talked about me. But your hair's growing back. Oh, come on. That's, that's the comeback. You, you can talk about my failure. They can talk about your failure. They can talk about your bald head. They can talk about your, 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 your misstep. They can talk about your wipeout. They can talk about where you went wrong. And the mistake they made is they judged you when you were in the middle of your setback. But what they didn't know is there's a but. And there's a but. And your hair is growing back. And the setback is getting ready to come to a comeback. Come on, everybody, right? People love to talk about what you looked like when you were in your weak stage. They love to talk about that crazy ball-headed haircut you got. They love to talk about what you look like when you lost your vision and your eyes are gouged out and you're bound and, and, and the enemy. And, and, and They love to talk about the down season of your life. But somewhere back in the privacy, they had forgot about the God that Samson had one time served and his hair, but his hair grew back. And you can focus on all your setbacks. And you can focus on all your failures. But I want somebody to remember their but. I want somebody to remember but. Everything's going to turn around. And what was a setback, Tony, now leverage your past to become the man of God that God wants you to be. Come on. It's an intensifier with an exclamation point on it. Woo! They forgot about that. They forgot. His hair grew back. They forgot where I'm at is not where I got to stay. Once, once I was ground down, but now I'm built up. Once I was blind, but now I see. Mm -hmm. Once I lost my vision, but now I see. One, come on, you remember, I don't know what happened. Once I was weak, but now I am strong. Right, everybody? Come on. Now, I want you to note something real quick. Verse number 26 is very interesting to me. It's kind of a side note, and I'll wrap up. But, but I want you to notice that Samson, his hair begins to grow back. Verse number 22. He calls out to a young boy. And he asks the boy, because he's blind, to lead him to the two pillars of the Colosseum. And he puts his hands between the two pillars. And if you've ever read any children's Bible storybook... You see Samson there with his eyes gouged out and veins popping out of him. And he pushes those pillars. And it's a comeback, not with a trophy at the end, but his strength returned to him. But there's something in verse number 26 that interests me. It says, it shows us that a boy led the mighty Samson to the place of a comeback. Doesn't Jesus say something like, that they will be led by...
by a child's faith. Ah, that if we could have the, ch- uh, come on, Here, here's what I want to say. I think it's going to take some of us to have some childlike faith to return to the place of strength. I, I think we're going to have to be childish enough to believe God said it and he meant it. I think it's going to take some childlike faith to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. I think it's going to take some childlike, innocent faith to believe God can really do the things that he said he could do. I think it's going to take some childlike faith to lead us back to a place of strength. Are you guys hearing that tonight? It's going to take some childlike faith. Now, let me, let me change gears real quick and let me end with this. Many of you that know Bible story, you know the story of Moses getting the children of Israel out of Egypt and over to the promised land. It's one of the greatest comeback stories in the Bible. Because 400 years before that, God took a man by the name of Abraham and he took him out to this place. I won't get into all that, but he took him out to this place and God made a promise to Abraham of the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan is a blessed land. The Bible describes it as the land with great fruit and the land that flows with milk and honey. It, it just, for us, if I could put it into context, it represents blessings. It, it represents victorious Christian living. And so God makes a promise to Abraham. But he tells Abraham, there's going to be a season that my people are going to be captured. But after a season... I'm going to set them free and I'm going to destroy those enemies and you're going to have one of the greatest comebacks ever known that will be preached about for thousands of years to come. That last little part doesn't say that in Scripture. I just added that. All right? And so let me take you to that just really quick because I want you to see something. And I hope it will stir up some hope in your heart. So watch this in Genesis chapter number 15. Verse number 13, verse number through 14, and then 16. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own. He's talking about Canaan. And that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. Come on, I hope contextualizing means taking the ancient scripture and putting it into where we are today. Ooh, come on, can you do that? But I will punish the nation They serve as slaves. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Check this out. Go on. In the fourth generation. I want you to hold on to that word. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. All right, here's what I want to show you. I was reading this book. I read this and I remember reading this leadership business book. And this, the, the, this book talked about the life cycle of an organization or the life cycle of a business or the life cycle of anything that has been birthed. So I want you to see this because God said you'll make a comeback in the fourth generation. Everybody with me? The first generation of anything is the generation of sacrifice. Right? Whether you've started a business, whether you were the first one in your family tree that became a follower of Christ. Come on, how many know it takes a little work to break a generational curse? Right, everybody? Uh, There's some sacrifice. Come on, there's business owners here. It takes some sacrifice. It takes some sacrifice to reverse and break generational curses. It takes sacrifice to plant a church. It takes sacrifice. 
I want you to think of it not, not, when I say generations, I'm not necessarily talking like in age and in numbers. I'm not talking about the Y and the Z generation, the millennials and the boom. I'm not talking like that. But could you see in the early days of America, those that made sacrifices and preached the gospel that planted churches with no salaries and no big buildings. and can you, can you see the sacrifice in the first generation? The John Wesleys that rode horseback to preach the gospel. Come on, everybody, right? The, the sacrifice. And in the second generation, we, the, the second generation gets to reap the benefits. Mm. Some of us have reaped the benefits of those that have broken generational curses. Come on. We, we've seen, even in our nation, those that sacrificed to establish church and to preach the gospel. And, and then the second generation comes along and reaps the benefits of the move of God that is happening. And then, and then unfortunately, usually the third generation comes up, and, and the third generation is a generation of complacency. Has anybody felt like you've lived at least a le- uh, overlapped a little bit in the third generation? Has anybody felt like, man, there's a lot of complacency. There's a lot of just riding on the benefits of grandma and grandpa. There's a, there's a lot of benefits that we get, but, but sometimes the benefits without the sacrifice makes us complacent. But then we come to the fourth generation, and God told Abraham, in the fourth generation, you'll receive the promise. And this book on business told me that the fourth generation was the generation of the comebacks. And I believe that we are living in the day of the fourth generation and the great comebacks. We have seen America become complacent toward the things of God. But in case you haven't noticed, he's stirring things up right now. And there's a comeback in the house of God getting ready to happen. Come on and say a good amen. I believe we're living in a day of a comeback. I believe the church, listen, when Jesus comes back for his church, we're not going out of here broken busted. We're going out of here triumphant, everybody. The best days of the church are not behind us. The best days of the church are still in front of us. We might have had a setback, but there's going to be a comeback. Come on, are you hearing me today? You might be listening to me right now. I'm going to give you these four things really quick. I got one minute to do them, so here they are. If you need a comeback, here's what you got to do. Number one, you got to accept God's amazing grace in your life. And you got to get over it. You got to quit letting the devil beat you up on your failure and your mishap and your mess up. You got to get over it. Receive God's amazing grace. Number two, the second thing you got to do is you got to dream again. Come on, Joseph. You want to talk about a comeback? They stole his dream, but he just dreamed again. And every time they tried to steal his dream, he would just dream again. Some of you need to dream again because all the resources of heaven are still available to you. So start dreaming again. So you had a failure in a marriage. Dream for another one. So you had a failure. Dream again. So your life hasn't gone the way you thought it would. Dream it again. And then number three is get to work I mean, just get to work on it. Your plan will work if you work it. Listen, dreams don't work unless you do. I am so drove crazy over Christians that say, well, I'm just waiting for God to move. Yeah, but maybe God's waiting for you to move. Well, when God blesses me financially, I'll give to the... Maybe God's waiting for you to sow a seed. We all want to harvest, but nobody wants to sow a seed. And then lastly, I'm ending with this. Then lastly, you got to fill up. 
you got to just get filled up with God. Get, get filled up with God. Not news. Not fear. Get filled up with God. Now, I preach this whole message. and Did, did you notice my little punching bag over here? I actually brought two. And there is a big difference between this one and that one. This one has to be propped up by the pulpit. This one has to be propped up by the preacher. But I brought this one. Remember that verse I read out of Job? It says, but the tree could be cut down, but at the scent of water, it would sprout again. You know what I like about this punching bag? It comes back. I know it's a silly illustration. It doesn't matter what I do to this thing. I can put my foot on it and I can stand here forever. But eventually, if I take my foot off or if I do something wrong, I mean, no, no matter what, that thing's coming back. It's a comeback. Now, this guy here, excuse my English, but he ain't got no comeback. And we could prop him up, but the moment that he can't get through, somebody that he's depending on to prop him up, do you know what makes this thing come back? Not, not, not the outer casing. They're made out of the exact same thing. Different color skin, but made out of the same thing. But you know what makes this thing come back? No matter how many punches it takes, there's two things inside of this that make it come back. See, before you got here, there's this plug on the bottom. And I took it over to the sink. And I put water in it. I know it's silly, but just hang with me. Because at the scent of it shall sprout again. Water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water the water. Don't let that word freak you out. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the tangible presence of God, not an outside God, but a God that wants to come and live and dwell inside of us. And when you fill up with the water, the presence, the Holy Spirit, come on, it gives you comeback. Because how many know Monday's coming and life is going to beat you up? Ah, come on. How many know the last few months have beat some of us down? And you're going to have to have some, watch this. Here's the other thing. The top part of this, it, it has, it has a, a plug too. And before you got here, I almost passed out. Now this one has some breath in it also. I actually put my breath in this earlier this week and just left it here. How many know if we're just left to our own, we leak? 
Life will punch you enough that you leak a little bit every battle. You lose a little breath. You lose a little water. Come on, I hope you're hearing what I'm You lose a little bit. Life will keep beating you up. And if you don't get back to the throne room of God and get the breath of God and the water of God, that dead tree trunk is going to stay a dead tree trunk in the middle of the forest. But at the scent of water, at God's breath, at the breath of the Holy Spirit and the water of the Holy Spirit, come on, we can take a licking and keep on ticking. We can have a comeback. And no matter what life throws at us, no matter what pandemic, no matter what president, no matter what pain, no matter what social injustice, come on, the people of God can stand strong no matter what happens in this world. Come on, everybody. Sometimes I just got to yell to get my point across. It's just a handful of us here tonight. It's a glorified small group. If you're here right now, you say, hey, Ken, I, I need to come back. I didn't think I did. I love God. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not talking about loving God and being on your way to heaven. Has he stole your vision? Has he stole your grace, your freedom? Has he got, has he got you bound? Are you, are you grinding? Are you wearing down? I'll be totally transparent and tell you about halfway through this pandemic. I hate to admit this to you. I'm embarrassed by it. But I started losing my vision. I started thinking, man, if we could just get through another Sunday. Finances are down. If we could just pay this month's bills. You know how quick the enemy wants to get you in maintenance mind? He don't want you looking ahead. He wants you just trying to get by. I said, no, no, that's not what God has called us to do. I need a little breath of God. I need a little water. I need a little scent of the water. I need a comeback. Come on. If you're here in this place right now, come on. I want you to be honest. I don't even care if you're watching in your living room. Right now, if you need a comeback, I just want you to stand up, even if you're in your living room. Stand up all by yourself in your living room. If you're in this room and you say, I need a comeback. I want you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray over you right now. I want you to turn that music up. I'm just going to pray for those that are on their feet. And if you're still seated, that's okay. Just sing the song and pray. I'm just going to go crazy praying for just a minute. Can you guys handle that? I know it's about five after. I went a little long. But what are you going to do on a rainy, cold Friday night anyway? So, Father, right now for my friends. Come on, give me some music up there. My friends right now that are on their feet. Lord, I know that I'm susceptible. I know there have been times in these last nine months I've needed to come back. I've needed restored vision. I've needed renewed strength, God. And so for my friends that are standing, for my friends that are watching, I pray for a comeback in them. I pray that you would renew their vision, God. I pray, God, they would see things they've never seen. God, that they wouldn't be in a maintenance mindset, but they would see a bright future. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray they wouldn't be ground down, but I pray they would be built up. I pray their faith would arise and they would know their best days are yet ahead of them. They might have been on the bench for a little bit, but they're getting ready for the greatest comeback God that they've ever seen in their life I declare it so I pray your Holy Spirit your presence would just come and indwell in them God give them your breath give them the water of your Holy Spirit let them have comeback power I pray in the mighty name of Jesus now I want everybody in this place to stand and I want you to give the Lord a good hand clap all over this place come on we thank you tonight for a comeback 
Woo!